This is an Odyssey original. This is the War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KGNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Russia facing intense international criticism as mounting evidence emerges that troops carried out consistent war crimes in areas of Ukraine. They've been occupying images coming out from villages and suburbs of Kiev that were up until about 48 hours ago under Russian control. Dozens, maybe even hundreds of civilians on the streets apparently killed by the Russian forces. President Biden now calling for a war crimes trial against Vladimir Putin. What's next in this uh, transitional stage of the war and how likely is it any Russian will stand trial for war crimes? We'll also talk with a man in Ukraine who says he's coordinating a group of cyber warriors to go after Russia. We begin with allegations of war crimes committed by Russia's military in several Ukrainian towns. Journalist Phil Littner is with us again from Lviv. Phil, thanks for coming back on the uh, podcast. Some of the images and stories emerging from these Ukrainian villages, they're really sickening and seem to tell a story of organized atrocities. Yeah, uh, mass graves, um, people with their hands tied behind their back and shot execution style on the back of the head. Um, they are difficult images to watch, but, uh, you know, they might, they might be necessary to see, uh, to understand the brutality of what the Russians are doing on the ground here in Ukraine. And, uh, while they deny that, uh, they are, they are, that their forces have been doing that, the, the Russians, uh, have a history of, uh, conducting warfare in this very manner. So, uh, they say that uh, it is the Ukrainians themselves who did it in some sort of false flag effort to conceivably garner international support, which is something they kind of already had in many areas. But um, it, it, it just belies uh, a level of cynicism coming from the Kremlin and the lack of understanding of, of Ukraine and Ukrainians. Um, th- this country is completely united in defiance against Russia and um, the concept that they would kill their own and and try and and try and pass that off as Russian activity is 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 a, in my opinion a gross misunderstanding of of the nature of this country. So, Phil, as we've discussed many times, you have covered that part of the world for a good number of years. We're now in the what fifth week or going into the sixth week, I suppose of the invasion at yeah. the end of February. Where do you think this is now headed? Because every other day there seems to be contradictory information. The Russians are regrouping. No, they're not regrouping. They're, they're withdrawing. No, they're not withdrawing. They're regrouping. Do you have any, any better sense where you are on what it is they are actually doing? Well, I, where I am physically in Lviv, no, but I have a, a, a network of contacts throughout the country, and I, I've been talking to several of them, and I've been covering in addition to, to Ukraine and Russia. I was also, for many years, a, a, a war correspondent, so I have contacts within the U.S. military as well. Um, the, the general consensus is that uh, this is a, a series of, of regrouping maneuvers and not a retreat. Uh, they may, uh, of course, it does look as though they are, they are for now, standing down uh, in their efforts to control the capital. But, um, you know, one of their main strategic goals, as we've discussed, is, is trying to secure a land bridge from Russia to Crimea, where they have one of their four major fleets. And it's a, a deep-sea port where they can service their submarines and their larger vessels. So, um that is a, a primary strategic goal for the Russians, and they, they may have decided to pull away from Kiev and, and 
focus more on the Donbass and trying to connect to uh, to the Crimean Peninsula. Uh, but uh, nobody is under the impression that uh, that Russia is finished here, uh, and um, it, it will also, of course, uh, in light of the atrocities that we are now seeing, the evidence of those uh, alleged war crimes. Uh, how does the international community respond? I mean, we, we have Biden calling for a trial. We have uh, other uh, nation states uh, saying that they're going to increase their sanctions program. There's talk of, of removing them from the uh, UN, uh, uh, the, the uh, Human Rights uh, Committee in the, in the UN. Uh, so there are going to be repercussions from what we are seeing as the Russians re- uh, you know, pull back from territory that they've held, and, and we get to see these things like these mass graves and, and the various execution-style uh, killings that have been going on. In addition to that, uh, we do know that the Russians are uh, robbing uh, the, the place. They're, they're, they're looting whatever isn't tied down. There are reports of Russian troops pulling back into Belarus, but bringing with them um, you know, goods that they are taking from stores and from even from homes and setting up a kind of a black market within Belarus. So there's a lot going on, uh, and how the international community responds to these new revelations of, of what's, what's been happening in occupied territory in Ukraine, uh, that will also be determining uh, how this war continues. But unfortunately, sadly to say, it doesn't look like it's anywhere near ending. Journalist Phil Idner with us again from Lviv in Ukraine. Phil, thank you. The war has changed so many lives in Ukraine. We've heard uh, many different stories from people leaving the country altogether, others who moved far away from their homes, others actively staying there to help the war efforts. Taras is one of those people helping the war effort. He's in Lviv and has been volunteering, but also organizing a cyber warrior group to target Russia in cyberspace. And he's with us now. Thanks for being uh, with us, Terrace. So give us an idea about what you're actually doing when it comes to cyber warfare against Russia. Yeah, oh, and uh, thanks for having me. So basically, uh, there are two main fields right now. One is uh, uh, DDoS attacks, which is basically creating a huge load on Russian side servers to the point where it actually goes down. And those, those uh, attacks usually target uh, critical infrastructure, Russian government companies that uh, fund uh, the war or uh, just propaganda media. And uh, more, uh, more sophisticated uh, pass, uh, another one is uh, to find vulnerabilities in Russian sites just from the, from the technical perspective and tar- target them directly. How successful have you been? Uh, we uh, we were holding uh, a couple of uh, Russian banks down for for quite a while with uh, uh, funds not being able to, to, to be transferred. Uh, we uh, took down a bunch of governmental sites. So I, I, I'd say we were pretty much uh, successful, but there is no success until the war is uh, ended. So so we continue. We were talking, uh, Terrace, before you uh, joined us, Mike and I, about uh, there had been this speculation as the war was getting underway that the Russians might launch some massive cyber attack on Ukraine to essentially disable the infrastructure before moving in. That didn't happen. Do you have any sense why that might not have happened? 
Uh, it did ha it did happen, but the scale was uh, low because uh, we were prepared. Just our uh, internet infrastructure were prepared. A couple of uh, different operators, mobile operators in Ukraine, they, they pretty much united into one uh, one single entity, so that you 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 can basically use services or so whatever uh, whatever. Uh, provider you can in case of other goes down so i would say we just handle it uh, well and uh, the, the the russian hacker group is uh, is overestimated in in what they what they can do right now in this war and uh, right now uh, everybody takes security measures because uh, we already know how uh, exactly do they attack yeah, we were mentioning that earlier, too, before you came on. You guys, and some people didn't realize this up until now, but you guys are really good at this. Yeah, you, you, well, you know, we got to do what we got to do. <laughs> let, let, let's see if we can find out a little bit about you, though. I, I presume that you haven't been doing cyber warfare for a living. Maybe you were. I don't know. But I presume that you, you weren't. Before the war, what kind of work did you do? And... How did you so easily sort of glide into this? Yeah, before war, uh, I was working as a, a software engineer and uh, also some, somewhat a musician. But uh, as uh, the, the true scale war unfolded uh, on twenty fourth, um, I just I just searched for for ways how can I. Uh, how can I help without, you know, just grabbing a gun and uh, running in the fight? And so that's where, that's when I uh, stumble upon uh, the cyber attacks. So I pretty much learned from from the start of the war and uh, through all of this time and try to educate other people who want to uh, engage in, in, in this. Yeah. How did that all come together? I mean, how did you find each other and, and pick up all these skills over, you know, five, six weeks? Oh, at first I gathered with a bunch uh, of my friends and we just scoped out, uh, you know, the, the, the field of what can we do, how deep can we go in terms of the technical knowledge that we have and what do we need to learn. And uh, then it is, it is basically like, uh, you know, a chain of people, you know, that, that want to involve and uh, the, 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 the uh, the critical scene in Ukraine that I see is that uh, there are a lot of independent groups like ours that just got organized and uh, educated to a lot of people. And uh, so far, I know, uh, you know several groups which count more than 300,000 people uh, basically joining from, from, from various backgrounds uh, without uh, knowledge of, of, of cyber war specifically. But... Uh, they want to learn and want to to um, damage uh, Russian systems the most, so that they cannot continue this war. So, how do so, you know? How yeah. do you know whom you can trust? Uh, in terms of uh, like in, in these groups. Yeah, I mean, how how do you know that you can trust somebody who? I, I, are you only working with people that you know intimately, or do sort of strangers want to join your efforts? And how do you know? Um, the, the, the thing is, uh, just, just in my group, uh, that's people, uh, that I know or people, uh, I know that know other people. So it's like a, a pretty close uh, circle, but I would say that, uh, it's more of an informational kind of thing. So we don't, uh, distribute some specific knowledge that cannot be leaked. It's all available. It's just, 
It's just that Russians cannot do something with it uh, easily. So I, j j just from the purpose of, uh, you know, keeping the information secure, I don't think that uh, we, we, we need to be afraid of, uh, of some, some shady person entering our group, as long as we keep our identities safe, you know? Yeah. Uh, your goal, obviously, do whatever you can to, to fight back. And you were talking about some of the places you were targeting. But is it also, in a way, when you take down these places or freeze them up for a day or two, an effort to try and get, you know, the Russian people over there to notice and, and feel this also? In some way, yes. Uh, when we started doing this, uh, it was an idea of, you know, taking over the site and uh, just spreading uh, actual truth information about what is happening to overcome the propaganda that people listen to. But right now, uh, Russian government and Russian uh, society took the most uh, steps to, uh, you know, from the truth to the lies. So, um, I, I mean that, I hate to say this, but Pretty much most of the people don't care if if they see a message that there are actual uh, killings and massacre happening in, in Ukraine. Russian people, they were just ah, another fake. And um, there are <laughs> right now there are much more complicated uh, paths to, to to their minds, I believe. So it's it's more of a, a indication of the power that we have and. Uh, and also just you know uh, doing 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 the actual damage to the economy to the infrastructure. Tell us something. And, and that, yeah, I, I was going to ask. Tell us a little bit about you and your family and how the war has impacted your family. So I'm, I'm originally from Kharkiv, and my family lived uh, there uh, for all of this time, but. Uh, uh, after a week under um, excessive shelling of Kharkiv, I managed to convince them to they, they actually should go and it will not end uh, soon. So uh, so we managed to move them like, uh, like my mother, sister and grandparents to, to Lviv and they live with me, with me right now and uh, try, try to recover from it uh, still, still uh, you know they're still super cautious about uh, loud noises and uh, uh, you know stocking food uh, despite of it uh, being pretty much available here in Lviv. Uh, so yeah. yeah, right now it is. Uh, I see a lot of people. It is uh, hard for them to to leave their uh, house even under excessive shelling like this, just because you know, it's a mentality, maybe it's a mentality of uh, older people of our nation that you, know, you, you just cannot uh, leave the place where your uh, parents lived and where their parents lived and where they actually uh, experienced the world world too. Basically, they, they cannot just you know go ahead and leave this place for nothing. Uh, so yeah, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a huge struggle for those who, who still stayed uh, in, in Kharkiv and Mariupol and all of these uh, cities, but but my family, fortunately, is fine. It must be tough to, to see them like that, though, your mom and your sister, to, to know what they went through, first of all, and then second, that yes, they're in a safer place, but they still don't feel safe because the loud noises and the stockpiling of the food, I mean, they just, they, they're not there yet because they, they know what happened last place they were in Kharkiv. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, there are still sirens and we're still in constant uh, 
um, you know, understanding that uh, the, the next challenge may be Lviv or just our house. You know, we, we try not to panic, but uh, think with a cold mind. But you know, for for these people who, who actually experience something that that I cannot uh, fully imagine, I I just um, I just try to to help them with whatever I can. I plan to move uh, them out of country soon. Do you think this is going to go on the fighting for a really long time? Um, I think uh, it it wouldn't go for for long. Just the act, uh, active phase, uh, because uh, Russian um, military got huge losses from both like official um, battalions and unofficial uh, army that they have. Uh, I think that it will still continue and will be harsh in, in Donbass region, in Kharkiv, uh, in Mariupol. And um, it, 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 it will really depend uh, on, on how, uh, uh, how soon Ukrainian army will be able to free uh, those regions. You said you were thinking of getting the rest of the family out of the country. What, what is the plan so far for them if you've even gotten that far yet? Uh, you mean what is the plan? For, uh, yeah, like, well, where do they want to try to go? Uh, right now, it's uh, Europe. Uh, uh, I, I I have um, a friend, Dave, who who is living in Austria. I met him because uh, um, some some friend of mine reached out to me and asked if I can host a couple of independent journalists from from Europe, and so I did. Uh, host three of them, and one of them uh, turned out to be um, this uh, this guy Dave, who is a, who is a great guy. Who uh, right now he's uh, volunteering in uh, Kiev, uh, gathering information about what's happening in Irpin and Bucha, documenting all of this. And he was like the first source of the information about this uh, going to me. And um, uh, this guy, he just uh, offered uh, my family to stay in 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 an apartment of his and uh, um, looks like it will be uh, like convenient for for both uh, for both hands to, to go like this so I think we'll, we'll go to, uh, to 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 Europe everybody helping however they can uh, Taurus thank you for talking to us best from us to you and and the family he's been in Lviv there volunteering in different ways and again organizing this uh, cyber group to target Russia in cyberspace this is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.